Welcome to the Watch and Learn Show, where we talk about life lessons we learn from movies new and old, and we have a bit of fun along the way. And now, here's the host, Sky and Dusty. Good day, movie maniacs. So, this is Sky without my brother Dusty. Once again, I apologize. I screwed up. I didn't watch True Lies in time for us to record this episode. But what I did watch on one of those nights when I was just bumming around on Netflix, I found once again Ace Ventura Part 2, When Nature Calls. Absolutely loved it. Laughed out loud the entire time. So I figured, hey, no new episode this week. I'm going to give you a different watch and learn classic like we did last week. This week, Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls. Watch it on Netflix before you listen to this. Highly worth watching. And then Dusty and I have a really fun conversation about it as well. Enjoy. Hey, Movie Maniacs. My name is Sky, and I'm joined by my brother, Dusty. What's the haps on the craps, Dust? Alrighty then. Yeah, alrighty. <laughs> Bumblebee tuna. Bumblebee, yep, Bumblebee tuna, tuna to you too as well. <laughs> hey, excuse me. Your balls are showing. <laughs> oh, thanks for letting me know. <laughs> Bumblebee tuna. Yep, Bumblebee tuna. I love this movie. I'm so glad that you chose it uh, after last week's Ace Ventura Part 1, you know. Man, I am so glad we got to watch both of these movies. I would not, you know, with so many things going on with lives from kids to uh, family to traveling to business and all that sort of stuff, I it would not take the time to watch these movies, even though they're so hilarious. Like, I just bust up laughing, and I'm so glad we take the time to watch movies again. This is great. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I, I maybe I'm not, uh, maybe I'm not on the exact same wavelength as you. I watch a lot of movies. Like, you know, when I have downtime at night and stuff, and I really like to put on movies that I grew up with that I loved, and I have the boys sit down with me, you know? So uh, we have all watched Ace Ventura Part 1 and 2, like, a couple of years ago together, and it was really nice to revisit both of these movies in the past two weeks with them again as well, you know? Yeah, so coming off of Ace Ventura 1, now we're on to Ace Ventura 2, what do you think between 1 and 2? Did 2 live up to 1 or not enough or what? Uh, when I, <laughs> when I first watched this in theaters, when it came out in 1995, I ditched school with my friends. You probably remember Dave and Mark, right? Yep. I think Ben came with us too. So the four of us, we all ditched school, went to go see this in the movie theater. And I was really disappointed because it kind of like not copy, yeah, copied or repeated a lot of the same jokes. Uh, there was a few laugh out loud moments, but at first, I wasn't a big fan of this, but then it came out on VHS, and I watched it again, and then watching number two all the way through last night might have been watching number 35, I don't know, um, I've fallen in love with this movie, and it is just as good as the first. And you know what's something fantastic, and I wholeheartedly agree with you, what is super cool was that the director and writer is somebody totally different, but somebody that is a uh, comedic, comedic genius. His name is Steve Odekirk. You know him, right? Absolutely. Tell me what other movie he did that we both love. He did, oh, uh, my goodness, what was the name? It's Kung, Kung Fu, Pao, Enter the Kung Fist. Pao. Kung Pao, Enter the Fist. It's so hilarious. I love that movie, too. And so that's what first introduced me to Steve Odekirk and how hilarious he is. And then you told me, hey, did you know that he actually directed and writ, wrote um, Ace Ventura 2? I was like, no, what? Cool. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, he is. He is hilarious, and the, the, like the 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 comedy that he thinks of, even things like you would not think of um, when Ace goes into the party at the consulate's place, and people are eating food. He walks by them and puts his whole palm on the plate of the food, like to three different people. I'm like, who thinks of that stuff as something to write? Oh man, and that reminded me of we talked about it last week when he was walking by and pulling the arm on the cello player's arm, uh, you know, pulling the cello player's arm. Same kind of thing. Just whatever he can do to disrupt what other people are doing, he's down for. <laughs> Absolutely. So, if, um, would you say that this beats part one, or is it on par or less? Man, it's really interesting. There were. Just like you had mentioned last week, this movie has more laugh-out-loud scenes than part one. But I think because part one was the originator of the whole Ace Ventura mythos in the character, I think I still... That one is slightly higher. Like, I give them both an A. If if Ace Ventura part one is a 95, this is a 94. Just wow. because it was the yeah. second one. You know, it's not totally new and fresh. But it, something doesn't have to be new and fresh for me to love it. You know, I mean, it can be the, the same pepperoni pizza that I've had from Little Caesars for the past five years. I still love it this week because it's been two weeks since I had one, you know? Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. But there were so many other new things in there that were not in part one. That was hilarious. And so that for that, I give it, I actually find that, like I said in the last episode, when I think of Ace Ventura, for some reason, my brain goes to the scenes in Ace Ventura Part 2. And after watching both these back to back, I'm thinking if I were to watch one again, it would be part two. And so I would pick part two, which means I would give that a higher score. I give part two an A plus as opposed to part one was A. I give part two an A plus, which is so rare for any movie, in my opinion, to be better than the first one. I give it an A plus. Yeah, you're right. It is super rare. And, you know, I might be right there with you. If you said, Sky, you can only watch one of these movies one more time for the rest of your life, it would probably be when nature calls. So maybe I have to revise that. Maybe nature calls gets a 96 as an A and uh, Pet Detective gets a 95, but still an A. Maybe. And you also have Tommy Davidson in it. He is hilarious. And I love the scene where he comes out. You don't see him, but you see this big, huge black dude that's just gargantuan. It's going to crush Ace. And then he turns around and he's see little Tommy. And he's like, really? I got to fight him? Yeah. <laughs> so no, that, that was so funny because... He's supposed to be, well, the idea is that he's this like feral, wild warrior character that he could defeat anybody in any other tribe. So he comes out, he fights Ace Ventura, but at the end of the movie, he ends up being the prince of the tribe. I know, I know. (laughs) How weird is that? The feral guy actually being the prince, but it makes sense. Why introduce another character? You have Tommy Davidson. Let's give him a little bit more to do at this very last scene because it would probably not work so well if it was just some random dude that you saw earlier in the movie as the prince, uh, as opposed to Tommy Davidson. It works better. Yeah. Yeah, so and there's so many scenes. Now, you and I like to talk about our favorite scene, but I I have like five of them in there. And so that, that's why it's like, it, for me, it's an A+. I just, I can't get past how hilarious. And like you said, when you look at Ace Ventura 1 and Ace Ventura 2 has the similar jokes and funny things like, but you gotta, I try to help myself to remember that this is supposedly, and it is, the same character, the same person, same personality. Now he's changed a little bit, so he has a new, you know, other new nuances to his personality, but it's hard to 
like do something completely fresh and completely leave. Like the person hasn't changed 100%. So he can't stop, not like stop what he did in the past. So what's was, um, even though he's reached uh creamy goodness or what was it? Enlightenment, <laughs> creamy enlightenment. Um, no, it was, um, I, I think I wrote it down. It was, um, omnipresent, omnipresent, super galactic oneness. <laughs> That's what it was, huh? That's yeah, what even it was. though he's achieved that, he's still the Ace Ventura we love. He's still the Ace Ventura. So I love in opening scene. It reminds me, obviously, and it's a play off of Cliffhanger, the um, Sylvester Stallone movie. Yep, that was hilarious because I just, or we just came off of seeing Cliffhanger, seeing, oh, that's such a good movie, and you know, oh, it's a bummer that she died and all that sort of stuff. And this plays off it, you know, a little what. Six pound, maybe ten pound raccoon <laughs> breaking those clips and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, who comes up with that stuff? And you know, he gets all broken up about it, and then he goes up and with all the monks and everything. Oh my goodness, so hilarious! And I absolutely love the monk, um, the leader of all the monks. He's all, but I haven't, uh, <laughs> but I haven't um, received achieved omnipresent supergalactic oneness. He's all, wait, there you just did. <laughs> I know, so I good. But hey, laughing. I can't. I can't let you go there. You have to choose one. What is your favorite scene, dude? I can't do that. Yeah, you can. Oh, I can tell you mine. Ah, uh, okay. I'm gonna give you three because I have to say all, all three. <laughs> other than that's like that super galactic oneness was hilarious. Uh-huh. Um, but I gotta give you three, and I'll pick one out of theirs. So one is the dart scene where he gets hit by the darts and he's running around the jungle and his arm, his limbs are flopping around. <laughs> he's turning around and arms are just dead. I love that. That just for some, and I do that with my kids occasionally. I'll just be goofy and I'll do that and I'll turn really fast. And my arms will flay like flail, like they're, they're limp and they're just, they're, the kids will start laughing and, and I'll do it again and I'll do it again. And they love that. So I, yeah, I, I do I, the I, same thing. We have little uh, limp arm fights like that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yep. And so that's one. Another one is the fight scene with Tommy Davidson. That was so hilarious. They, and I love when Tommy throws the, the spear, hits him in the leg. He's like, ah! And Aura, throw me a spear. He throws it, hits the other leg. He's all, ah! 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 <laughs> so good. So that's another one. The uh, last one, which is my favorite, my absolute favorite, <laughs> is the... <laughs> It's kind of hot in these rhinos. <laughs> yes. Hot rhino scene was so hilarious. Look, mommy, the rhino's going to give birth. <laughs> I couldn't, I could not stop laughing. I know that was where I laughed the hardest. So I would have to say for me, the rhino birthing scene. And I remember watching in the theaters for the first time. That was the one scene that made me laugh the most out of all the others as well. So for me, rhino birthing, number one is uh, also. Number two is what you had mentioned, fighting Tommy Davidson and the two spears in his legs. And then number three is something you didn't mention, the shadow puppet, the shadow silhouettes, and the nipple tweaking. (laughs) Yeah, that was so good. And the eating the one guy's penis, you know, it was so good. Oh my gosh, so those are my three favorites with, just like you said, rhino number one. Yes, Awesome. Yeah, th- that rhino scene when he pops out of that, it is just like the way he does it. It is so funny. <laughs> I can't, 
Oh my goodness. Yeah. So like I said, I had so many more laughs and the ones that I want to remember come from this movie. So yeah, by far, I give this one A+. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. You know, now that I think about it, this one has to be rated higher because I do laugh so much more and I would choose to watch it uh, before the second one or before the first yeah. one again. And you also team up with Steve Odekirk, who's the writer, and, you know, Jim Carrey adding in his, you know, five cents and or, you know, just adding to everything. It's great. And Steve Odekirk's hilarious, too. So that helps a ton. He is. You know, I wonder why his career didn't take off like the Farrelly brothers or just Jim Carrey's did. You know, why? Why was he kind of not left behind? Because I looked at his IMDb and he's been he's been decently busy ever since those two movies. Um but he just hasn't achieved crazy big stardom like a lot of the other, you know, a lot of the other funny directors and actors like they yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. One one that I real another scene that I have to bring up cuz I laugh when I see it is he goes into the cave with the torch and he's going to the cage, he's sneaking in, you know, because he's scared. And he's all, okay, I'm nothing to be afraid about with my medallion. I got my medallion. There's nothing to be afraid of. Here's a tweet, tweet, tweet. And he's all, die, devil bird! And throws <laughs> yep. the medallion at the bird. Okay, as long as I got my torch, I'll be okay. <laughs> tweet, 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 tweet. Die, winged spawn of Satan! And throws the torch. Yep. It's so good. And it, what's funny is that you see that coming, right? You're like, you know he's going to throw his torch next. But it's still, when he does it, even though you see it coming, he does it so perfectly. The words that he uses are just so funny. You laugh out loud at that part, too. Yeah, absolutely. And people I thinking about them writing the stuff and, and thinking, hey, this should be funny. Let me write it in there. I was like, I'm not creative at all. I literally know that. Like, I'm not creative. But when I see something funny, I know it's funny. Um, I just pulled up Steve Odekirk and definitely one of his, his more well-known, in my opinion, is Kung Pao Enter the Fist. Such a funny movie, in my opinion. But I didn't know, but he actually wrote Patch Adams, you know, the Robin Williams movie. Mm-hmm. That really slow, you know, kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he actually wrote it, but I think it was, you know, a, a true story about Patch Adams, but, um, I was like, oh, wow. So he's pretty versatile. Um, but yeah, he, he's, he's, Steve Odeker has done other ones like Evan Almighty, um, Bruce Almighty. He worked with a screenplay. So he's done quite a bit of stuff, but yeah. he hasn't done anything in, from what I can see in like, uh, four or five years. Yeah. It's been a while. His career just kind of petered off. But maybe it's by choice, man. Maybe he's out on a beach in Maui just living the high life after the success of this movie, a couple of those others, and Kung Pao. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Actually, I I, I doubt Kung Pao was all that successful, but I think it's gained a really big cult following. I would, I, I mean, shoot, we love it. It's so funny. And I was looking up the Ace Ventura 2. So Ace Ventura 2 did not make as much money as Ace Ventura 1. So Ace Ventura, the budget was, uh, part two, budget was $30 million. It made gross $108 million, which, oh, sorry, commutative gross. I, I take that back. I was just looking at Gross USA. Commutative worldwide gross, $212 million. So I was completely wrong. They destroyed the the first one. So that's a lot of money. Wow. So this was a super profitable movie. That's crazy. Million, 212? Yeah. 30 million turned into 212 million. Like you said, they have, they have marketing. So let's say the marketing was a million or like $10 million. So 40 million. They absolutely destroyed the, 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 amount of money that they put out they got so much money in return it was good for them you know that that's interesting i i wish imdb would tell you 
or that they would have statistics on VHS and DVD sales, especially for these movies back in the day, because um, right about this time is when VHS sales started to really take off. Prior to like the 90s, everything in the 80s and 70s, if you wanted to buy a movie, it cost like 80 or 90 bucks back then, you know? And then Absolutely, all of a sudden, yeah. when like mid 90s or so, like if I remember right, I paid $12.99 at Sam Goody's for Ace Ventura Part 1. That's when VHS has started a drop in price. So it would be good. I bet you this movie made a killing in VHS sales. I bet it did. I know we bought it. I, I, plus, I also bought the DVD as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it would be good if they had those kinds of numbers, if they could actually find them from, I don't know, the companies that make and distribute the movies, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So when you were watching the movie, um, what I want to, because, you know, I know the boys watched it too. Do they, do they have a favorite scene or is there something that they laughed so much over? They they laughed just like I do at a lot of the same scenes. I didn't ask them, what is your favorite scene afterwards? But everybody was hysterical over the rhino and the nipple tweaking. <laughs> those really those seem like the biggest laugh out loud moments. And then, like you said, arms flailing, running through the jungle as well. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Yep, yep. Um, you know, one of the other <laughs> oh man, one of the other things that I really loved was the whole uh it, it was part of the whole fighting scene, but the whole white devil, Cinquentuocha, and I, I can't hear, I can't help but notice you refer to me as white devil. Don't do that anymore. <laughs> this is so how they good. know you. <laughs> yeah, this is how they know you. <laughs> don't, don't mention that. That is so smart and so funny. You know, so yep. some of the stuff is super like slapsticky, goofy, physical humor. The other stuff is is very smart stuff, and and it's obvious that Steve Odekirk, really smart guy, knows his comedy. He was able to write a lot of this really killer stuff. Yeah, and I quickly looked up Kung uh, was a Kung Pao Enter the Fist, where Steve Odeker wrote, directed, and all that sort of stuff. If any, if any of the listeners have not seen it, I personally recommend it because it's hilarious. It's basically an old kung fu movie that they dubbed in a whole bunch of stuff, which is super creative. I mean, it's it's really really cool how they did it. And so the budget was ten million dollars. But the total gross, I believe it's only worldwide is like 16, almost 17 million. So it, it probably didn't make any money, which is rather sad because it's such a funny movie. Well, I bet you it made back and it made its investors profitable through the DVD sales, I bet. I wouldn't doubt that. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt that. Now, you don't have a big name like Steve Odekirk is not really a big name. Not many, many people know who that is. Jim Carrey, on the other hand, like if you put Jim Carrey in there, the people are going to watch it just because it's Jim Carrey. You're right. It would have been more successful with a bigger name person. But yeah. probably a lot more money unless unless you're able to find a bigger name person who's like on the verge of breaking out. But he loves comedy and he kind of does this on the cheap, you know? Yeah, yeah. Then that could have definitely helped. Um, what did you think about? Oh, well, we we talked about really smart lines and smart comedy at the very beginning. I always love this line, and it stuck with me ever since I saw it. He said, "If you were me, then I'd be you, and I'd use your body to get to the top. You can't stop me, no matter who you are." And <laughs> that once again is just really smart comedy. You know, it's just it's incredible what Steve Odekirk did and Jim Carrey by pulling off all these different lines and and all these different scenes and stuff. I loved it. Yeah, absolutely. The majority of these lines that Jim Carrey actually says, normal actors would not be able to pull it off. It would just seem either canned or corny or quirky or whatever. But Jim Carrey pulls them off so well. Mm -hmm. He does. And I think it's just his 
I don't know. I guess it, it's it's just his delivery, man. He's able to like embody the soul of Ace Ventura. And when you look at Jim Carrey, you know that he is that person. He just brings that role fully. Like you had asked, I think you asked me in the last week's episode, you said, can you see anybody else being Ace Ventura? And the answer is emphatically, especially after watching the second movie. No, Jim Carrey's the only one. I can't think of any other actor, even now, you know, years later, I still cannot think of any actor that would, that could actually fit this character. Now, the only one that has the depth to be able to do, do this, but he's since passed away is Robin Williams. He has the depth to be able to do that. Um, Mike Myers also is somebody who has depth to be able to do that, but he, they don't have, um, the facial and the, the, the mannerisms that Jim Carrey to be able to tweak his face, like rubber face, that type of stuff is just so hard to do. But as far as the capacity and the ability to do so, those are the only two actors that I can see that can potentially pull it off, but they still wouldn't fit. Either one of them wouldn't fit. They wouldn't do nearly as good a job. Yeah, I like your assessment there. And I think if anybody else had portrayed Ace Ventura in the first movie, there would have never been a When Nature Calls made. Absolutely, there would not have been. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So let's get to some life lessons. You know, I'll be honest, I was just having so much fun in the movie. I didn't pull out, I only pulled out one life lesson from it. I got three and Good. I actually got, yeah, I actually got one even while we were talking. It got, it got another one. So I'll go ahead and, I'll, I'll go ahead and start. My first one is bat poop, bat guano is very valuable and can make many things. So I got to get me some bats. I got to have some bats in my belfry so that I can get some guano and make some good bowls and collect the whole set. Exactly. I got to move out to the foothills, get a, a, a cave or two in my backyard and grow some bats there for sure. Absolutely. And yeah. you, that's why I just realized this. That's why Bruce Wayne is so rich. He has so <laughs> many right. bats. That's where he got his money from. <laughs> bat guano. Bat guano. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. Oh, Batman, man. That's he, he, he markets in poop. So bat guano is his trade and commodity. Oh, 100%. That was so funny when they <laughs> gave him water out of the cup and he spit it out. <laughs> Collect the whole set. <laughs> good call. That's a good lesson right there. Bat guano. That's, that's our next venture. Our next there joint venture. Bat guano. That's right. That's right. Cool beans. So let me give you, I'll give you my my only lesson and then you could give your second and third, of course. But mine is, if they are ecstatic when you leave the place you live, then you are doing it wrong. And so all the monks <laughs> partying and having fun, running around naked party, drinking, hanging from chandeliers when he's leaving, uh, that means he wasn't a good influence on all of them. But no, that was just denial, Sky. I think yeah, I guess. <laughs> it was just denial. Yeah. I guess Denial's that's, you know, that's thing. that's maybe lesson number two. You know, denial is a way to live a happy life. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Yep. All right. My lesson number two is never show your balls. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Watch what you wear. Exactly. Hey, what your do you think they wear under kilts? Do they have underwear? No, as far as I'm aware, I don't think they did. Oh, goodness. Braveheart. Oh, man. I know. Seriously. And riding horses like that, too. Oh, <laughs> man. Right, <laughs> okay my third lesson and i'm just like you i had to really dig deep for these lessons because everything that i watched it was so hilarious i mean i i the the joke that driving a car is like a glove is hilarious and him trashing that one and there's, there's so many great things but what i'm gonna have to say for my lesson number three is projectors are fun oh that is oh. 
They are fun, man. If you remember back in high school and stuff, you're, when you're uh, in the room without the teacher but the projector's left on, everybody gets up there and now they're a there comedian up on stage. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You're right. That is a good. That's a good lesson. Yeah. How funny is that? I mean, one of the funniest movies. We love this movie. We couldn't come up with really that many good <laughs> lessons. They're more jokey live lessons. Because you know? I was so I was laughing so much. It's hard to do. It is. Oh, you're right. You're right. I even sometimes what I'll do if I watch a movie and I can't really come up with some good life lessons in the movie while I'm watching it, I'll look up the wiki page. Have you ever done that? No, I haven't. Yeah, so if you just look up, you know, Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls, and then type in wiki, W-I-K-I afterwards, the Wikipedia entry will come up. And on that page, you can always uh, read a full breakdown of the beat-by-beat in the movie. And sometimes reading that will give me an idea. Oh, yeah, that's a great lesson to learn from what Ace Ventura did here or whatever character in whatever movie. In this one, I read through the wiki page three times. And I couldn't come up with more lessons because lessons I was just laughing the whole time. <laughs> I, I, I'm i going to have to do that because there are some movies that I'm like, man, I, it doesn't happen often. But every once in a while, it's like, man, I just I was so engrossed in the movie mm-hmm. that I just didn't have any lessons come out of it. And so I'm going to have to do that next time just because it helps me to remember what we just watched which is a big thing. Like if I can't think of a lesson or I can't think of a prop, I go back and watch the trailer again. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. That was because, you know, they're going to show you the things that are pretty prominent and iconic inside the trailer. Absolutely. I do that as well. And I also look up, um, what are they? Images. Uh, if you just type in the title and then click on Google Images, you know? Yeah, yeah, that, absolutely. You see tons of pictures and then bam, oh, that's a great uh, lesson or that's a great prop, like you said. Yeah, I I think it every single scene as this movie goes from one scene to the other. I mean, everything, it starts with the, you know, the cliffhanger scene moves into the slinky scene or, you know, the monks and the slinky. And then it goes to where he's scared about bats. Like, Oh, another one. It was so good. Was the monopoly guy. Oh, you must be the monopoly guy. Do not pass. Go do not collect $200. And he punches him and wears him like a shawl. Yeah, you're right. That is one of the best scenes. I can't believe I, I skipped it earlier. Another thing that really struck me was he goes into the room or the 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 consulate guy opens the door to the taxidermy room, which I personally think is cool because I'm a hunter. I just love it. I think that's that's cool stuff. Um, I hunt for meat mostly, um, but also I enjoy hunting. But looking at it, it's like, wow, those are some super awesome animals. Like I appreciate the animals. But the way he acts when he first enters it and then the way he changes was so funny. Like he's <laughs> for so long and he just doesn't stop and he just goes and goes and goes, which I love. And then um, at the same time, he just stops. Oh, this is a lovely room of death. And yeah. then leaves. That is so good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's able to control himself and step back into the moment, you know? Yeah. And so every single scene, like moving from one to the other, it's just got so many good, good things. Like being um, a man of disguise, you know, picking out um, uh, fleas and stuff out of apes or, you know, monkeys. Everything goes on. It just... Every single step of this movie is just so hilarious. So I will definitely have to watch it again. Oh, and one thing I want to bring up, I didn't bring up in the last episode. My favorite scene in the, um, Ace Ventura Part 1 was where he was holding the door open and, and going, ah, 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 you know, mm-hmm. at the apartment scene. Mm-hmm. So that fa- that's my favorite scene in the movie, although there are a bunch of them, but that was my favorite one. What I loved is that it just keeps going. Like, I, if, in my opinion, if he did it like four more times, it would be even more funny. Yes. Like, they cut it short. Like, he did it maybe like six times. If you did it 
10 times total, that would have been even like, I love it where it's like, at first it's good. Then it's like, man, when's he going to stop? Oh, wait, this is getting awkward. And he's still going. (laughs) That's my brain for some reason. I love that. Uh, I agree with you. They're beating that dead horse over and over again. It can be super (laughs) funny. I love it. And you've mentioned that plenty of times that you really like it when movies do that. Yeah, it's like, like I feel awkward personally, which makes me laugh even more. Like I feel like I'm cringing, yeah. but I'm like, eh, it's so funny. Yep, yep. <laughs> hey, you mentioned as- uh, Ace Ventura Part 1, and I, I want to go back to that again real quick because something I forgot to mention last week. What was Einhorn's plan? At the very end, all the cops are there. Dan Marino's there, and he could tell the whole story. How was she going to get away with it? Let's say she was saying, shoot him, shoot him to Ace Ventura. Let's say they shot him. How are you going to explain Dan Marino right here? I don't know. I don't think you, they had any, any plans. I think at the time before she was going to shoot them both or, you know, kill them both, mm-hmm. both Dan Marino and Jim Carrey, um, and get away with it because, Hey, those, those are two witnesses. You know, he, Jim shot or, um, Ace Ventura shot Dan Marino and I took out Ace Ventura. So you think when she called, uh, she called the police department and said, get over here. I have Ace Ventura. Uh, and I found Snowflake or whatever she said on the phone. You think she was going to put hang up the phone, kill them both, and then wait for the cops? Well, how else could you do it? I mean, Dan Marino could literally, she want you know, die Dan, die of gonorrhea and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. That's it. I mean, she's going to kill Dan Marino, pin it on Ace Ventura, and yeah. there you go. But I guess Ace Ventura just attacking her and fighting back gave the cops enough time to get there before she was able to complete her plan, I guess. Yeah, and what was so funny, and it would never happen, is Ace Ventura going through his big monologue and doing all that stuff to Einhorn. Like, the cops are just sitting there, letting him do that to her. Yeah, I was I like, know, uh, huh? uh, that's not gonna happen. Yeah. Letting, letting him rip off her clothes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's like, that's our captain. Like, we can't yeah. do that. <laughs> but, you know, I really love the ending of that scene when she charges at him with a piece of glass or whatever, and he goes, quick decision. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> quick decision is so funny. I say that all the time. My kids are like, what does that mean? I'm yep. like, oh, you'll get it when you're older. <laughs> well, when are you going to? So I first watched Ace Ventura and part two, I think we watched them both one after the other, maybe two years ago. So my boys were six and eight or seven and nine right around there. When are you going to watch these movies with your kids? I don't know. They're maybe in the next couple of years, probably sometime like that. Um, I know my wife isn't a big fan of it because she says like the slapstick comedy and there's, there's a good amount of sexual type stuff in there, which we could definitely fast forward through, but um, it's hilarious. So eventually we might, Um, I just haven't thought of it because this is the first time I thought about it in a long time. Yeah, I gotcha. But yeah, it's something that's uh, in my, my opinion, it's on the radar. Yeah. Cool beans, man. Um, Oh, Hey, Monday morning quarterback. What is yours? My Monday morning quarterback is Ace should have tried a second time to get the Slinky to go all the way down the stairs. <laughs> and they should have showed it on screen. They should have. Yep. <laughs> I love that. You're right. I mean, how do you miss that opportunity? Sure, it might take you an hour to climb back to the top, but I mean, you're only going to be in Tibet one time in your life, probably. There you go. Oh, man. I'm so close. Yep, totally. And he goes, you know, Ace, we really should go. We're going to miss the flight. He's all, how selfish of me. Let's do all the things that you want to do. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. And then later on, he says, "Um, I've said to the boys, spank you so many times. And then later on, you know, that's where I got it from. When he starts saying it to Greenwood or Spotwood, whatever the guy's name is, um, he says, spank you quite a bit. And then the boys started laughing the first time we watched it. And they learned that where I got spank you from. 
Exactly. What the one time that I know he definitely says it is to um not Guano. Um, what's his name? Oda. Oda. He says Oda. He goes. I might. It's dark. I might fall into a precipice. Thinking of the the cave, and he's all here. Take my torch, Ace. He's all spank you, helpy helper, ton. <laughs> yeah. I, I say that all the time to my kids. Not spank you, but I say you're a helpy helper, ton, or oh, something like nice. that. And they, they just they're like, what is that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. Um, my Monday morning quarterback was very simple. The bad guys should have just killed that sacred bat. No matter what, if you kill the bat, the war is on. Nothing can stop it. You are now going to be the Guano King. I absolutely don't see any reason why they didn't. You know, yep. like what? What's the purpose of keeping it alive? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's literally no purpose at all. So yeah, that's a good point. Maybe the purpose was to sell it to the um uh the other guy who collected wild endangered animals. You know, at some point, sell it to him because it's ah. supposed to be a rare endangered albino yep. bat. Um, yeah. But I get, mean that's get, the only reason right there. But if you're going to make millions off of guano, what do you yeah. need to sell a bat for for a few tens of thousands? You know, I have one more. So mm. the main bad guy, I can't remember his name, the the consulate guy, um, uh, Cappy, I think his name, Cappy. He should have went for the monster truck as opposed to the little dinky little you know Jeep. Oh, you're right. He made you a know, bad choice the, in vehicles right there at the end. Uh, apparently, it's his vehicles. It seems like it's his vehicles. He should have jumped in that one. Yeah, <laughs> he would have been yeah. fine. I agree. I liked it when he made the when Ace Ventura made uh, the elephant sit on the Rolls Royce. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And then using him to take out the the guard. Yeah. Oh, do you know this, who the guard is? That he he looks familiar. I've seen him in plenty of other movies, but I can't remember what his name was or you know what else he's played in. Ottawale, He was Mister Echo in Lost. That's Echo. Yes, that's right. He was bigger in Echo, in uh, Lost, like thicker. Yep, a little you bit know, older like and thicker for sure. Yeah, muscular. But, uh, yeah, and he's been in a few different movies. I think he was in the GI Joe movies and lots of stuff oh, yeah. often where he b- portrays just a a big buff military type dude. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he was fun, but he didn't have any lines. It didn't seem like right. I don't know lines, but he gave he gave Jim Carrey the uh, you know he stared at him what is it, daggers for eyes a few times. Yeah, he sure did. Yeah. Oh, and that one guy the. One of the bad guys that actually kidnapped the bat, that tall, skinny, lengthy, gangly guy. Yes. You know, the wiry guy. He was from, I think he was in Mad Max, like one of the original, like the original Mad Max. And he could, you could absolutely recognize that dude wherever he's at. Like, I know who that is because he is so recognizable just because not very many people look as gangly and as long and lengthy as him. 100%. You're right. Mad Max, uh, yeah, one of them. Beyond Thunderdome might have been. I think it was Beyond. Yeah, it was a pilot. Beyond Thunderdome. Yeah, but no, he's good. And and you're right. And, I, and I've seen him in tons of movies since then. Just a good Australian actor. Always plays various characters. You know, oftentimes bad guys or kind of guys who are a bit unhinged. You know. I got one more scene to bring up that I have to bring up. <laughs> I who thinks of this? This is brilliant. So Ace Ventura goes and meets the first, um, the big heavy, uh, big fat um, king. You know, meets him, and the guy spits in his face as a sign of gratitude. Who thinks of that? Oh, my goodness. And then his son walks in, spits in his face. His why aren't I the popular one? <laughs> Let me show you my gratitude. And he hawks that big old loogie. I mean, seriously, who in the world thinks of that? That's just so funny. I don't know, man. It's it's It was funny. You're right. And it's that's the kind of thing I would never come up with, but that's why I'm not a comedy writer. 
Absolutely. Just brilliant. <laughs> awesome, man. So let me tell you what my movie prop that I would love to own, and it's the two spears that went into his legs. Nice. Those are good. Yeah. I absolutely think that's a great, great one. Um, I would go with the the um, medallion of spiritual accomplishment of omnipresent supergalactic oneness. <laughs> there you go. That's a good one. Covered in a, at least a, a little corner of it covered in bat guano. Yes, that would be perfect. Yeah. Awesome, man. I like that prop as well. I thought about that one, but the two spears, because that was one of the funniest scenes, I'd love that. And yeah, and having two spears, you can you know put them in a, like a, a an X and hang it on the wall. That would yep. be a super cool. Uh, oh, that. Oh, I got one better. Do both those spears and then the mask that Jim Carrey was wearing while he was dancing, put it that in the center of it. That would be an ultimate prop there. That's a good combo prop right there because that mask was pretty cool looking. Yeah, yeah, that would be. Hey, this is Ace Ventura two mask and yep. and spears that people were like if they seen it. Oh, I know exactly that. Yeah, it's yeah, cool. Yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah, this was this was a great movie. And if I mean, it's pretty obvious if you've listened up to this point, uh, we both highly, highly recommend this to any comedy lovers, you know? Absolutely. Cool beans. So um, last week I chose Ace Ventura 1. You chose Ace Ventura 2 next week. So next week should be my choice. But you and I have talked about this off air, of course, and the audience probably knows by now. There is no choice, right? It has to be Avengers Endgame because it's coming out in theaters this Friday. How does that feel to you, Dust? That feels super crazy. It's just like it was last month that the movie came out. But I've seen... Avengers 3, you know, um, uh, Infinity War, many times, even like, I think it's on Netflix right now. I watch it many times with my kids, all that good stuff. But it just feels like, oh man, it's already here. Yes, this is so exciting. It is super exciting. And I cannot wait to watch it. I'm taking the kids out of school early on Friday. We're going to go watch a 2 p.m. showing. Um, and I'm just totally looking forward to it. And then afterwards, I'm going to look forward to discussing our different life lessons and some of our favorite scenes. And also, because this is supposed to be the culmination of not supposed to be, it is the culmination of like 11 years of movies, 22 different movies have built to this. It's going to be a ton to talk about. And, and I'm hoping that we both like the ending of this 11 years of movies and, you know, the direction probably from here forward. I'm hoping that, that this movie really satisfies what we want out of the entire MCU. And you know what I think I was thinking that Captain Marvel was probably, if there was ever going to be a movie to let me down, Captain Marvel had the opportunity to do that, but it didn't. You know, they did a good job. They, they stuck with the, um, you know, a similar type of storytelling and it, it was, it was decent. Like it wasn't the best movie by far, but it was like, in my opinion, a middle of the road. I don't know how many times I would watch it, but, um, that one would let me down if it had the possibility or if it, yeah, it could have let me down, but it didn't. And so, when I know that they wrote Endgame and Infinity War at the same time, they shot at the same time, all that sort of stuff, like it's it's one story, I don't think it's going to let us down. Or at least I have a good, strong feeling that it's going to be a good movie and not let us down. So I'm really looking forward to it. I agree with you, and I think you hit the nail on the head. The fact that they were written and filmed by the exact same team. It's not like some brand new director, brand new writers for a sequel. You're right. This movie's going to feel, it's going to feel like just a continuation. Like you could probably watch these two movies one after the other in like, you know, a six hour, six and a half hour span, and then you'll be totally satisfied, like with one gigantic movie. I'm, I'm hoping that's how it feels, and I'm thinking it's going to. 
Okay, so I want to add in one little thing about this, or in, in this episode, about the next movie we watch. We'd never done this before, but you and I never watch trailers. Like, we never watch trailers. Anything that we see that is remotely close to the movie that we want to watch, like Endgame, we turn it off or we avert our eyes. I even plug my ears and close my eyes in the movie theater when I yes. see things. Um, and so I do that. So we have no clue what's coming up in Endgame. What are you prophesying, saying is going to happen? Like, give me a prophecy of how you think it's going to play out, the big overarching storyline, how they're going to get Thanos and get everything back. Um, That is really interesting. I think that Scott, or Ant-Man, he's going to be able to travel back into the past by going back into the quantum realm, and he's going to somehow let everybody know what happens Maybe he's going to talk to Iron Man in the future, travel back to the past and kind of let him know what happens. And then things are going to take a turn to where I think they're going to see you got to figure that they have to stop Thanos from getting all of the stones. So I think they're going to somehow um, make it so that he does not kill Gamora. Maybe he goes to Vormir and is not able to collect that stone so that he has to come back to Earth and just. It's going to be something along those lines. I think Gamora is going to live. Everyone else, the snap will be averted, but then they're going to have to figure out a way to still battle Thanos. And he only has four stones because if the, if he's not able to get the um, soul stone from Vormir, he he's probably going to have to go to Earth to try to get the mind stone from Vision. And that's where it's going to be an all-out battle between Thanos, his Black Order, and everybody else that we know, instead of fighting him on his planet of uh, Titan, they're going to do their big battle on Earth. Wow, okay. So, two thoughts. One, time travel is going to be rather rough to be able to pull that off and actually make it consistent. Every single time travel movie, it just makes it like, well, what about this? Because everybody else has different thoughts. So, a time travel thought is something that's... um, a really rough thing to play out and actually make it storyline do really well. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thought. The second thought is I'm so glad you went with that because I am totally not thinking time travel at all. Like I'm totally opposite because one thought comes to mind. If they did a time travel and fought everything all over again, it would potentially be like we're watching the same movie with different little nuances. Like it's the same thing over again, which would be a little boring. So I don't know if they would go that route. What the route that I think they're going to go with is they've just introduced this brand new character of Captain Marvel. We know Captain Marvel is going to be in the Endgame movie. I think something with, obviously, Ant-Man and the Quantum Realm, it's a huge deal. So they're going to have that play a part of it. And I'm not sure how it's going to play out, but I know Ant-Man's going to be a big deal in everything here. But you have Captain Marvel. You also have everybody else that's still alive. Now, they might bring in a couple other characters. I'm not sure. Uh, um, uh, Hawkeye or um, uh, who was the other one that wasn't there? Um, Anyways, I can't remember. There was there was one other one other character that wasn't there. But anyways, Hawkeye, you know, bring him in or something like that. Bring in some other characters that are not dead. And then it could be something like Captain Marvel gets they first somehow get the glove off of Captain Marvel and she has the ability to turn everything back and fix everything in that way because she has the power to be able to do that. Um so you think ultimately they're just going to go find Thanos on his planet on his farm? And somehow get the glove back from him with all the stones attached to it? I think so. Mm. Because what I'm thinking is time travel is just a really, really hard thing to do 
well. And we haven't seen that at all in any of the Marvel movies. So, but anyways, I think they're going to continue on the process. And I think when Doctor Strange was look, looking back through t- or forward in time, all the 15,000 different, you know, uh, possibilities, I think he saw the only way is to let him win, think he's won, let him relax, and then go and take it, take it from him. And cause he's already collected them all. Then you can use it against him to, to do everything. Cause everything else, every other way you try, he's so strong. You cannot stop him from getting it. The only thing you do is once he does have it, take it from him once he's, um, you know, left his guard or whatever, and then turn everything back. Yeah, that's interesting. It's going to be cool to see how it plays out. I just, my whole question is they had Scott in the quantum realm before he went in, Michelle Pfeiffer's character. Hope Van Dyne said, hey, beware of those time streams or time vortexes. So I'm just figuring that has to play a role. So I'm just thinking time travel, even though you're right, it is difficult to pull off and and to pull off successfully to where the audience is 100% behind it. Um, Even though it's tough. These are smart writers, man, Yeah, smart directors and the whole team, the producers. Everyone has pulled off so far 21 movies of awesomeness, building a universe we've never seen before that nobody would have ever envisioned. I think they can pull off time travel for one movie. That's a great point. I do remember when um, the mom does say, watch out for those time bandits or vortexes or whatever. <laughs> time bandits? <laughs> time is that bandits. a movie we're going to have to do on the podcast? No, I don't know. That, well, when we were kids, that was an awesome movie. I don't know how it is now. but uh, I, I think it's a rough movie to watch. I don't think it's any fun f- yeah. nowadays for a nowadays audience. I don't think it'll I, hold up. But I was thinking we're going to have to watch almost every single Val Kilmer movie. So we're going to have to do that. <laughs> every Val- hey, I mean, if you say Willow and Top Secret, I'm down, you know? Exactly. That's what I was just thinking. Willow has Val Kilmer and Top Secret. Yeah, so many Val Kilmer movies. Heat was a fantastic movie. Mm-hmm. That, that fight scene with that gunfight scene, like, I've never heard such realistic gunfire in all of movies. The Heat had the most realistic gunfire amazing, ever. It was huh? amazing, amazing. Man. Okay, I think we've gone long, plenty, plenty, but um, I'm super excited about Endgame. I, I know everybody is. It's going to be great to come back and talk about it. And we're, it'll probably be like an hour-long episode for us. Easily. Probably will be. All right. So let's close this puppy out right here. So uh, everybody, of course, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode on Ace Ventura When Nature Calls, please share it with a friend. And of course, you heard our life lessons and what we thought about the movie. We want to hear from you. So go to the show notes page, watchandlearnpodcast.com slash pod 45. Leave a comment. Check out our life lessons. Dusty had three. I had one, of course. And, um, you know, you can correspond with us through that page. So, alrighty then, once again, my name is Sky. And this is Dusty. And we will return next week with Marvel's Avengers The End Game. Mm-hmm.